You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I think they definitely believed I was going to do it. It was just like didn't really see the see the way with this type of music, especially. By the way, I still don't really, but uh, <laughs> you know, I do a little bit better. I can pay my rent, and my bills, and stuff. My dad and and my mom are are both very supportive now, and I think the the evidence of that was I, I went with my mom for Thanksgiving to her parents' house. And she uh, like my grandmother mentioned something about like putting the band on the back burner so I could like go back to school or something. She was she was just like talking about like health insurance or something like that. No, no, no shade on my on my grandma. But uh, and my mom was like, well, there's no way you're going to do that. You can't do that. And I was like, that's right, mom. I can't do that. I was like, you're right. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. I hope you all had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and if you are ever in Montreal and you would like to attend an amazing show, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on a bunch of amazing events all year long, so trust me when I say I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Are you in a band? Would you love to have your band's song featured in an upcoming Vox and Hops episode? If that would be the case, then you should definitely send me a message, write me an email. You can do that by hitting up matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. Send me a message and I will hook you up and I will tell you all about being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight segment. I love doing this. I love shining some light on killer bands. If you're in a band, you're launching a brand new song, you want to get a little bit more exposure for it, well, the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight is there for for you to do exactly that. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves extreme, strange music, well, you should definitely let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians to talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you were to encourage one of your strange music Music-loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Carson Pace of the Callous Dow Boys. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 415. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with Carson Pace of the Callous Dow Boys. Uh, Carson, how you doing? Uh, I sort of spoke a little bit before we started the chat. I discovered uh, your band via the Metal Trenches YouTube channel, um, year-end lists. I like to check those out to see in case I've missed something. I have Jerry Monk, uh, Vox and Hops' metal architect that feeds me music all the time. But, you know, everyone is human, and sometimes we miss things, and uh, somehow, celebrity therapist totally slipped underneath the radar and uh, heard snippets of it on that metal trenches uh, list and I was like this is this is like right up my alley so I listened to it the next day going to work and I was like fuck yeah that's amazing um, 
used my magic email inbox to to see if I could somehow get in touch with you guys and somehow set up an interview shout out to liz um the publicist amazing publicist yes who big shout out to liz yes in my my inbox and set this up here we are three months later um very stoked to be with you very long intro just to say carson how you doing man i am great um the last week and a half basically or two weeks or so we've been uh working on new music um just nose to the grindstone. We go into the studio in about three or four weeks. So yeah. Um, and uh, I think these are the best songs we've ever written. So I'm extremely excited about it. Very cool. You know, and, and obviously we're going to say that about every record, but <laughs> this is really quick. <laughs> it wouldn't be like, this is our worst shit. Yet, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do think that like, I do think that the ability to have a filter on the art that you make and, you know, not just release things to release things is really important. Um, but at the same time, like if I think a song sucks in retrospect, I will say it. <laughs> I will be like, no, that song blows. Yeah, for sure. I, I am in a band that released the unspoken King. So, so I know <laughs> very much what all that is about. Um, but we won't go there. We will talk about, uh, how 2023 has been so far for you. Um, I imagine you've been busy writing, which is exciting considering you guys just dropped the record. You guys have been doing some touring. Uh, you guys have been busy. That means so t- talk to me about 2023 and all already stepping into uh, another cycle so quickly we started off the year uh january 30th so exactly two months ago uh we started off the year with a tour with varials and destroy rebuild until god shows um and uh, our boys in 156 silence um and it was just absolutely incredible um every single show was amazing and so cool Um, and it was like a, it was like a new experience every time, basically, because, you know, we were playing to a lot of people that didn't know who we were or who had never heard of us. Um, but by the end of the tour, it was, it was like word had gotten out. Um, it was, it was like everybody had heard of us and, you know, new lyrics and stuff like that. So, uh, our, our third to last show was actually a headlining show that we did with one, five, six silence, just like. Um, just sort of an off day thing. We did it in Columbus, Ohio. And I think I could speak for the rest of my band by saying like, that was one of the best shows I think we ever played. Um, and to say that about a headliner is, you know, so, so cool. Um, so that was, that was pretty amazing. And, um, on that tour, we kind of decided like we wanted to hit the ground running with new music and stuff. And, I think a, a big part of that decision just came in with like, since we recorded Celebrity Therapist, we have a new drummer and a new guitar player, just sort of a new lease on our career, basically. Um, and uh, it, it's just like, it, it feels like we're the tightest we've ever been, the strongest we've ever been as friends and musicians. So, and, and also we set on Celebrity Therapist for two years. So, I mean, we finished recording that September of 2020. And then it didn't come out till September of 2022. So, um, you know, we were we've, we've kind of been itching for it. And I mean, we've probably written like at least 20 or 30 songs since then. So, wow. Um, yeah, we that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, just while we were on tour, we were kind of listening back to some demos, some stuff we had like even thought about scrapping and stuff like that. And we were just like, this is really good. We should we should do something with these. Um 
So just being home, um, I, we, we went and played South by Southwest after we got home from tour. And then I've just been <laughs> sitting behind the desk that you see me at now, uh, slaving away at these songs, man. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to enter the new era. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm ready to, you know, have celebrity therapists, compared to something else i'm i'm ready to uh knock expectations out of the park you know well you most certainly already did that <laughs> with celebrity therapist versus die on mars so so i'm, I'm not surprised if that's something that you're going to do again well thank with you a new record just vox and hops so you know vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives and music while typically sharing a craft beer but you don't drink so so what are you going to be drinking on your side today i am drinking a uh the new zero sugar uh, original monster energy. Um, this is like, takes me right back to, um, <laughs> like, uh, ninth and 10th grade where I was just like listening to dubstep and Lincoln park exclusively. Um, and you know, not doing my homework. So, uh, you know, it's a good nostalgia trip, but without all the sugar. Hell yes. On my side, I'm drinking something very cool. Uh, something that I worked very hard on for the past few months. This is actually the first release. This is Metal Injection Presents Vox and Hops Pit Culture. I am teamed up with 26 breweries from across the globe to showcase what truly happens in mosh pits. This is a beer from Bone Up Brewing uh, from outside of Boston. Uh, this is called Collateral Moshing, and um, they have a whole thing here. So, so we've all been there. I'm just going to go take it easy at the show. You say, I'm too old for the pit anyways. You say, but then you just so happen to want to see the band and the best place to do that is front and center right and if your pit happens to form around you then there's nothing you can do is there and you're dragged into this and then everybody else might as well come with you collateral moshing that is very cool awesome <laughs> yeah i'm really stoked about it uh also shout out to uh yakima chief hops uh for providing all the breweries with all the hops and of course susan moss for the killer picture and philip brousseau for the can design uh i've never had this so i'm, I'm excited to have this i'm gonna crack this and i would love to hear about sobriety not drinking um take me back to to when that became a part of your life is it something that you just always were uh the decision to not drink um yeah sure so uh uh i have been sober for i guess a year and a half um not just from alcohol but from uh hard uh drugs as well uh narcotics um so um it was uh it was just getting a little out of control um, and by a little, I mean, very, um, and, uh, I had some friends pull me aside and just be like, Hey man, like something's got to change or, you know, uh, it was, it was basically like, you know, I could either drink and be an asshole and a dickhead, uh, or I could ha play in a band. Um, and I chose the latter. So, um, you know, it was really hard, uh, but, uh, I'm very happy that I did it and, you know, still trying every day, you know, um, it's, a. Uh, I thought that it would become a problem while I was on tour, but you know, we did one tour in 2021, like almost immediately after I had quit. Um, and you know, I didn't know if it was a good idea, but I just sort of forced myself. I was like, the only way I get to do this is if I don't drink. And that was the mindset I went into it with. So, um, 
and honestly, ever since then, it, it hasn't been that big of a deal. The only the only thing that does kind of bother me is occasionally, you know, we'll get like drink tickets or something like that as as hospitality. And I'll be like, hey, can I use this on Red Bull? And they're like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> not cool. Yeah. No, screw that. Yeah, no, it sucks. <laughs> way, to, way to not take care of people that are trying to take care of themselves. <laughs> But I mean, like, come on, I do, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan, so uh, it's hard for me to go to the ballpark uh, without, you know, thinking about, you know, having a drink or something like that. Uh, happening. Happy opening day, everybody, by the way, uh, for, for those who enjoy was it. Today? It was very today. Cool. It was today. And and, uh, and the Braves won. So I'm very happy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, beat the Nationals, which is not a hard thing to do. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it, it's it's become a part of my life now. And um you know, I try not to make it my entire identity. And, you know, if something like this comes up and I have to be like, hey, I, I you know, I would love to do this. However, and I, I really appreciate you being so, so gracious and, and wanting to have me on despite that. So thank you so much. A hundred percent. No, no, no. It's it's a pure respect. And the, the more that I've been doing I've over 400 episodes, I I've crossed people of all branches of life. And it's, it's all about respect and people have their journeys and that it's a lot of these the first tour right your first tour back obviously you're you're wary about it but then you do the tour and then the next tour is not an issue no, you don't have that no, thought yeah. so it'll be the same thing with baseball i imagine you you go to a game and you'll do it sober and then the next time we'll just be this is what baseball is now for me well which which i've yet to do because you know all all my buddies that i go to baseball games with are like are like you know double fist and pbrs the whole time so uh you know <laughs> i'll do it once during this season and and i'll be fine but you know it was uh it, it's been it's been a little daunting you know because i i can just remember those times where you know by the ninth inning i was blacked out so uh <laughs> yeah yeah fun fun but not fun, fun but not fun uh, yeah good, good good for your friends for for calling you out yes and and making you realize it's important people to, to don't be afraid to tell your friends when they're out of control. Absolutely, man. And you know, that's, I, I am very, uh, you know, I still have a lot of guilt about it getting out of control and, you know, just, uh, that kind of thing. And, but you know, ultimately I'm, it's the best thing that could have happened to me, man. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't just, it's not just, you know, alcohol and, and narcotics and stuff like that, that, you know, what it really does is it amplifies the things that are already bad about yourself. So, you know, you take that and you, you know, just kind of think about like, Oh, well, what am I like when I'm drunk? Oh, I'm really egotistical. And I think that, you know, everybody loves me and you know, all that stuff. And, you know, you just kind of are like, ah, well, maybe I need to, maybe I need to bring that down, you know, whilst sober. So <laughs> oh, man, yeah, interesting. And yeah. then you put like, you know, seven plus people in a van. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then you realize you're not shit. Um, <laughs> then you really realize that you you don't mean shit to these people. <laughs> what was your bands? Obviously, they were happy when when you you did that first tour sober. But did they have to sort of because you, you mentioned like your friends that you would go to baseball with will still be double fisting, and that's something that worries you. That first tour back, were, were your bandmates more respectful? Did they did they consume less? Did they try to consume away from you? What what, what was the vibe? There? Uh, you know. Um, What's funny is, is that tour, we, we, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because it is, uh, you know, not all my business to air out, but, uh, we did lose two members on that tour. Um, uh, yes. yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
Uh, well, touring's hard. A lot of people think it's, it's so easy. It's so much fun. Touring is fucking hard. It's really rough, and it's not for everybody. And this particular one, I think, was uh, kind of the breaking point. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm still great friends with our old drummer. Um, you know, we, we had him fill in for a headliner that we did back in October. Um, and he's, he's still a great buddy of mine, but, um, you know, it, it truthfully is just not for everybody. And like at that point, I think that was, that tour was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So to be honest with you, um, uh, them not drinking was kind of the le- least of my worries on that tour. <laughs> that was like, I was just like, all right, let's make sure this all gets held together, you know, and let's, that we, let's, let's finish. Yeah, this. pretty much. Which, yeah, <laughs> we ended up getting COVID and going home early. So oh, no. probably a good thing that that happened. But, you know, Damn. it's all good. Well, the brighter, brighter skies and yeah, ahead. Oh, for sure. And you, you got You got to go through some shit and it'll be it's always funny after. Right. It's, it's in the in the heat of the moment. It's not very fun, but it's always funny and interesting afterwards. Well, and it's just it's just interesting to compare it to now which is we have such a loving group of people and when all of us get in the van together we're like holy shit i am so lucky to be doing this with people that love me and and respect me like this and um it's such a it's such a wonderful difference that you know the people that i'm in a band with have committed their lives to my stupid dream and uh, you know i know it's their stupid dream also but uh you know, it's it's just I'm so lucky to be in a band with the people I'm in a band with. So it's working. Keep going, Carson. I like it very much. Uh, classic Vox and Hops question right here. Uh, the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardians house. What music was playing on the radio when your parents were in control? What music did your parents listen to? Oh, my gosh. You know, so for for my mom, it was always uh, it's funny because I bring it up to her now. And she'll be like, oh, that was such an awful time in my life. I don't know why I ever listened to that sad, that sad music, because I'll bring up like what she was playing was like Sarah McLaughlin and um, like uh, Dido and uh, uh, Kate Bush and just that. And then uh, any country music, any female country singer that you can think of. But I'll bring up Sarah McLaughlin to her now. And she's like, she's like, oh, no, gosh, no. Um which is very funny to look back on. <laughs> no, Lilith Fair was a big thing. Man. Oh, it sure was, man. Um, but then my dad, my dad just loves. Uh, my dad was like not a classic rock guy at all. My dad like didn't like um, you know Van Halen or Guns N' Roses or Kiss or anything like that. So I was pretty in the dark on music like that. My dad loved like Corn. And Limp Bizkit and um, the police and then just like all 90s R&B um, like Boys to Men, Bell Biv DeVoe, PM Dawn. Um, and a lot of that comes from Atlanta. Am I crazy about that? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, my dad's from Texas, uh, but uh, I, I think that he definitely loved the music and culture that was going on in Atlanta at the time. And um, he loves rap music to this day but like hides it from the world that he loves it because he's <laughs> he's a white guy in the suburbs <laughs> um you you, you, can, you can like rap people it's okay. I, well so it, it's funny i think <laughs> yeah. that my mom maybe judged him a little bit for that back in the day which which is fine <laughs> i mean it's not her type of music but you know my dad would like if it was just me and him in the car like he'd turn on dmx or he'd turn on tupac or something like that and i'd always just be like 
wow, my dad knows every lyric to this. Not every lyric, but you know, all the lyrics he can say. <laughs> all the appropriate lyrics. All the appropriate lyrics. lyrics say, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'd just be like, wow, my dad really loves this music. Um he loves anything with like a bounce to it. Um so he loved Limp Bizkit and just loved um just the whole new metal thing that was going on when I was growing up. Um so that was really my first exposure to it. And I think we had a we had a I wanna say we had like an all in the family DVD that was like corn and limp biscuit. Yes. And it was so cool. that I, Yeah, it was awesome. Every time I'm a new, I'm a new metal child. Okay, so, so. good, good. No, me too. I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't shy away from it on the podcast. Oh yeah. Well, and I just, I just loved that, that, uh, dvd so much just every time that we got the chance to watch it i was just like can we can we watch the can we watch limp biscuit play nookie again and my dad would be like yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> well good for that uh how about your first shows do you remember the first show that you went to go see first live music experience um so my dad took me to my dad took me to kenny Loggins. Um, which was an amazing show. And then shortly after that, he took me to see Modest Mouse, um, which was like very, very formative for me. I think that was like the first show where I knew like of the band and it was like a, a younger band. Like it was something that like because my dad had that CD with float on on it. And I think he had the album before it, too. And he was like, he was like, your mom doesn't want to go to this show with me. So you're going with me. And I was like. I'm I'm like maybe 10 years old nine or 10 years old so cool and he he took me to that they played the they played the symphony hall uh near my house and they played with they played a few songs with like the pit orchestra and it was so cool it was dope so those two and then I want to say that the first one where I was like dad I have to go to this show was the uh thousand sons tour that Linkin Park did in 2010 so those those I, I don't know if I can have three answers, but there you go. Well, of course, there's no rules here. I like it very much. Um, how about your first time on stage? Oh gosh. Um, so I, uh, I had like a, I've like always wanted to do the band thing. Um, and you know, if we're talking like, you know, first time where I was like playing like my own music that definitely came later, but when I was in fifth grade, me and my best friend formed a band um, and like played the talent show. Um, and we had a singer. She didn't want to do it after after some, you know, just idiot fifth graders being assholes. Uh -huh. So, yeah, one of our one of our guys was kind of a dick to her. Um, and then. uh yeah, I mean, so we played an instrumental song that we wrote that was just me switching between an A minor and an E minor on guitar. Um, and then we played King of Pain by the police. <laughs> really? Yeah, very poorly, by the way. Also instrumental. <laughs> Fifth grade, come on. Yeah, so, I mean, like, if I have a real answer, that is that is my answer. My guitar came unplugged during King of Pain, too, oh. and everybody laughed at me, so that was, that oh. was really funny. Um, um, yeah, it's only uh, you know, uphill from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I read that you were in a Weezer cover band or you played Weezer covers <laughs> at a coffee yeah, shop. So me and our guitar player, Maddie, who exactly. Maddie and Maddie and I have been in bands together since we were are like since we were like 
17 or 18. Um, and, uh, the first time we ever met was at a karaoke night at a like church open mic. Um, and the one song that we did karaoke together was Beverly Hills by Weezer. Um, and, uh, I, I believe she did all of the lyrics and I just did the guitar solo with my mouth and, uh, the <laughs> gimme gimme's in the, in the chorus. Uh, <laughs> There's, I think there's got to be a video of it somewhere, which I mean, it's deep, deep Dowboys history. What, what, what is it about being in a band that, that just so magnitude, like that so motivated you to start a band so young, fifth grade, wanting to be in a band. That's, that's rare. I, I guess it is. Um, I just, I, I just wanted to do it so badly. Um, there was like a, there was a time in my life where I was like really obsessed with like airplanes and like, I always thought I wanted to be like a pilot or something like that. Like the first, like, you know, 10 years of my life or something like that. And then I think it was probably me hearing fallout boy for the first time and watching them like spin their guitars around and shit. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do it. that. Um, I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, Goodbye. Yeah. Financial security. <laughs> well, and you know, that was something that, you know, I've been chasing this for so long. Um, and I mean, basically since then, like after that, there was like no, there was no real backup plan after that. I was just like, you know, I was like, I I'll get through school. Um, but like, this is what I want to do. And I, I believe I wrote, I started writing lyrics probably like when I was in sixth grade or something like that. And my wow. dad kept all of them. So, uh, so cool. <laughs> uh, but my dad would always just be like, Hey, you know, musicians make like no money. Right. And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's fine. Like, you know, it's just kind of a I, I reached a point of just like, yeah, but I'm going to do it like and, um, you know, with that attitude, I think that you can do anything just as long as you are believing in yourself through throughout all of it. And, you know, it almost has to be to the point of delusion at, uh, you know, a certain point. You just have to be like, you know what? I yeah, I got like a hundred dollars in my bank account. Barely but I'm going to write the best song I've ever heard. You got to take the leap. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it really is scary. Sometimes there's a fallout boy lyric that I always think about where, you know, they're in their fourth record. It's, it's off of their fourth record. And, uh, the lyric is sometimes I want to quit this all and become an accountant. And like, every day I feel like that, <laughs> like every <laughs> single day, I just like, there's like a little bit of me that just like plays that lyric in my head. And I'm like, wow, even into their fourth album where they were the biggest rock band in the world, they were still writing stuff like that. And it's like, you know what? Maybe it doesn't end. Maybe that feeling doesn't end. But I, I, I don't think it does. That's fine. It's the, the uncertainty <laughs> of what we do of being a musician is, is you never know. And you've been doing it for you've been doing it for way longer than me. And, and you know. But, you know, well, I, I was lucky because my first record was such a fucking flop. So <laughs> hey, I mean, I could only go up. Well, know? listen, dude, I mean, that's the thing is I, I think the slow progression and, you know, not quite reaching your peak <laughs> until later is is the way to go, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, had a, I was very lucky in my position. But <laughs> how, how about your, your parents' perspective of, of you just being all in? Was that something that was hard for them to accept? 
uh, or did they just constantly support you? Uh, yes, it was something that they that took a long time for them to accept. Because a lot of I've spoken to a lot of people, and there's typically always yeah. a, yes, yes, you can do this, but you need the backup plan just in case. Yeah. Um. But that's the thing is like nobody with a backup plan makes it. You know. Um. Like there were other musicians who were like more successful than me who would tell me that I needed a backup plan. And I would just be like, mm. just like, no, I'm good. And like, you know, that was when I was still in high school too, because I mean, I've been, I guess I've been touring since I was in 11th grade or something like that. I don't know. Wow. Um, since I was a junior, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean it, they've come around now. Um, you know, when, my my mom came to our tour kickoff and in in Atlanta and she got to see you know every kid up there singing every word and smashing the masquerade out. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and she was like, I I thought she was gonna cry because of it because I mean I, I mean regardless of what I've you know put them through with you know stressing them out financially <laughs> and you know just being like. Hey, like, can you guys help me out with a bill this month or can you guys pay my phone bill or whatever? Like, you know, I think they definitely believed I was going to do it. It was just like they didn't really see the see the way with this type of music, especially Um, my my parents have no point of reference for, you know, hardcore or anything like that. I mean, my dad likes heavy stuff, but like, you know, I think that he was like. Yeah, I can't imagine you making a living off of this, which, by the way, I still don't really. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I do a little bit better. I can pay my rent, and my bills and stuff. Um, my dad and and my mom are are both very supportive now. And I think the the evidence of that was I, I went with my mom for Thanksgiving to her parents house. And she uh, like my grandmother mentioned something about like putting the band on the back burner so I could like go back to school or something. She was, she was just like talking about like health insurance or something like that. No, no, no shade on my, on my grana. But, uh, and my mom was like, well, there's no way you're going to do that. You can't do that. And I was like, that's right, mom. I can't do that. (laughs) I was like, you're right. Hell yes. Yeah. So they, they came around for sure. It's 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 all, all in. I like that. I like that. But anyone with a backup plan has <laughs> not succeeded. I like it. Uh, discovering your voice. Um, there was guitar first. Um, you had to sing, I guess, out of necessity. Uh, now there's a lot more voice going on in your life. Talk to me about discovering your voice. Uh, I think you're quite proficient. Thank you. Um, wow. Both cleans and harsh. Uh, very very catchy as all goddamn hell we'll get to the hooks after but just talk to me about your voice discovering your voice and becoming better and better sure so um i was always a guitar player i was always like the songwriter guitar player um in every band i was in and i never wanted to be just like the guitar player that wrote everything i i always kind of wanted to be like the guitar player that also like wrote the lyrics and like, I wanted it to be my band basically. Um, which is difficult. (laughs) It's very difficult and sometimes it sucks, but you know, uh, and Maddie and I were in, uh, this band, uh, for like, I want to say like three years. Um, 
where um, I was writing all the songs and I was writing all the lyrics, but I wasn't I wasn't singing. I was maybe like singing back up occasionally um, and it just wasn't working. Just like everything was wrong. If you've ever experienced that in a band where it's just like <laughs> we're doing all the right things, like we're practicing and we're writing and we're playing shows and we're paying our dues. But like none of this sounds good and something's wrong. Like we're all good at our instruments. We can all play these songs, but like something's just wrong. Um, and we wrote a full length with that band um that we had like we had the songs written for it had to be a year man like we had those songs done for so long and um one day it just kind of fell apart um and it was like our singer just like didn't want to do it anymore our bassist uh who was also in Dow Boys for a little while was like yeah I think this has run its course and and it was just we had like a weird talk where we were like well, this is interesting, but we kept going. Um, and it was like, why aren't we recording? Why are we playing shows? Like, you know, if this is kind of over and because of that, um, like I, we got asked to play some show in Atlanta and, you know, I had this joke band name. I was like, I was like, it'd be so funny to call a band, the callous Dow boys. And, um, like we didn't have a lineup or anything. It was at the, at the time it was just me, Maddie and our first guitar player and our, our other band, Sunnyside got asked to play this show. And I was like, I don't want to play that show. Not with a band. That's like, not that's like falling apart at, you know, just fucking ripping at the seams. And I was like, we can't do it, but my other band, the Callous Dow boys can do it. And this person, <laughs> a band that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this person that was booking, it was like, okay, sure. So we booked the You're show. Cool, I trust you. Yeah. And I just came to Maddie and I was like, Hey, we got to write five songs like right now for this band. We need to set. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, the, I think the original plan was that I was going to do like a little singing, but like not all of it. But like we were practicing at one point and three of us had guitars and I was like, well, this is wrong. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> three of us don't need to be playing guitar. And then I was like, all right, I guess I'll sing whatever. Um, so we just started um, and I, I had screamed a little bit before, like just along with like, uh, I think the first song I screamed along with was was Roman Holiday by Every Time I Die. That was like the one song I knew. And I was like. All right, fuck it. How hard can this be? And um, I mean, if you listen to the early stuff, it does suck. Like it, like I, I <laughs> it do not time. know. Yeah, I do not know what I'm doing at all. And then just through, just I would just keep at it, man. Like I just I didn't stop pursuing how I wanted to sound, and I wasn't watching YouTube videos or any of that crap. Like I wasn't like you know doing like uh the phil bozeman like how to do gutturals thing like i wasn't doing any of that i was just like i was just like i have to figure this out and figure out how i can put the way that i talk into the way that i scream um and so i just like i studied away man like i just i would find any dillinger escape plan or every time i die instrumental i could possibly do and i was just like all right i'm gonna try and knock this out in one day um, and just by sheer wanting it so bad, I think I found my voice. Um, the clean singing didn't come till later when I had a vocal coach be like, 
hey, you can sing like you can actually sing. And I was like, I don't know about that. And she was like, no, 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 no. And then just like showed me all the breath techniques and everything like that. And then all of a sudden it just unlocked a whole new thing. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I sing now. So um, which is like an extra superpower for the band. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just it's just all hard work. And I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, uh, just kind of falling into it um, out of just like, you know, I would watch our shows back and I'd be like, I'm the weakest part of this. I need to figure this out. And then I just go after it and just try my hardest to be the best that I could possibly be. And it just eventually happens for me. And um, it's funny. I listened back to my screams from that time. I did it the other day just as I don't know, maybe a form of self torture. Um, and I was just like, gosh, I have come so far from, from where I was. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with where it's at for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just so cool to be at a place where it's like, yeah, people are always going to say that I sound like Keith Buckley or that I sound like Greg Pusciato or Mike Patton, but like, I think I sound like me and I'm very happy with the way that I sound. Excellent messages right there for any aspiring vocalists. You need to have your voice. You can be inspired by people, but you need absolutely to discover your own voice and you need to accept the sound of your own voice. That's very important. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to hear back, but, uh, I don't know. We, we recorded vocals on a bunch of demos yesterday and you know, I was like nervous about it. But then the second we started, I was just like, I love this. This is great. I am happy with this. So, you know. Very, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, how about that first stepping away from the guitar and being on stage with no guitar? And how how was those first shows where, where you're not not hiding, but not being behind an instrument? Well, I mean, what's funny is we played our first show, I think, three days after the last time Dillinger played in Atlanta. So, um I was very inspired by that that show. Honestly, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, I would have liked to. That would have been cool. Um, No, I mean, when when uh, when we play in front of my heroes, it'll be the right time. (laughs) I hope. Okay. (laughs) Um, Come on, Greg. uh, Yeah, I I think I think we're playing something. Uh, I think he's going to come out to a show sometime. So, I I mean, it was mostly just like I was inspired by all those all, all, all of my heroes that I looked up to as, as vocalists. And I was just like, I'm just going to go crazy and, you know, not worry about who's watching and just be myself. Um, but which like I, I, a lot, I think I've mentioned this before in other interviews, but like one of my favorite things to do is just like dance in my room alone with headphones in. Um, <laughs> it's something I do really frequently. I try and do it every day because it's just like very freeing and it makes me feel good. So, um, I just love dancing in general. So, I mean, like I have no problem with looking stupid. I, I think that, you know, more dancing and extreme. That's music right. Come that's right. I, I have no problem looking stupid. Uh, you know, everyone's thought I was weird or dumb or a geek my entire <laughs> life. So what's the difference? <laughs> May as well showcase it on yeah, stage. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff that goes into stuff, um, such as celebrity therapist. You you sort of bear it all in the lyrics. Uh, came out September second via Monarch. I read like that you guys try to put seven good riffs. That's when you know you have a song that you have enough material to put into a song, and I, I that's. It makes sense now that I think about it, but it's still fucking crazy. It's a lot of riffs. <laughs> um, yeah, I 
I don't remember saying that, but I believe you. <laughs> um, I I think our our main goal. So one of the things that we do um, is I write all my riffs on a clean tone um, before I run it through distortion because I don't want a riff to be cool because it's distorted. Um, I think like that philosophy has like forced me to be more creative. I'm like, does this riff sound good clean? And if the answer is no, because it's da 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 da, then no. Uh, you know, whereas if you're doing something very creative with, you know, this stuff that I listen to, like, you know, the Pat Metheny and John Mayer and, uh, all these guitarists that I really look up to, um, you know, I, I just try and keep it interesting for myself. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with bands that are, are you know, going zero, one, three in drop D. That's awesome. I more power to you if you're doing that. Um, but so, I mean, I mean, I do that. Um, and I, I think the main thing, it might not be seven good riffs, but it's like the way I look at my approach to songwriting is. I do whatever I hear next in my head and whether that needs to be cut down later and like, you know, okay, this, this, you know, 20 seconds can be cut out or this 10 seconds can be, you know, expanded or something like that. That's, you know, something that comes in the process later. And, you know, usually we do have about three or four or sometimes five different versions of a song before we, you know, commit to it particularly with these new ones. I think one of them is on version like seven, but it's just sort of like I do whatever the song needs. Um, and whether that's seven good riffs or whether it's, you know, a jazz switch up or a chorus or something like that, I just do whatever I hear in my head. And then we just kind of make cuts later. It's a lot. Uh, I'm the first listen I went through after watching that metal trenches as i was going to work i was like i really like this but there's a there's a lot going yeah, on like yeah. a lot and and it takes it's one of those records that takes a few listens and the more you listen to it there's obviously like the hooky parts like in uh, the title track and star baby where it's like immediately you're hooked into it and i get that but there was it's there's a lot going on in this record and it's it's super interesting and just hearing that what you just said right there it makes a lot of sense why it is so goddamn complex and it's super <laughs> digestible which is the interesting it's the important part is that it's super digestible and there's definitely been like a major leap from die on mars to this one so i'm excited for the next thank one thank you so much it's, it's, it's cool i i read that uh, from when you were doing die on mars that um, you very observant to what happens in the crowd, what people are reacting to, and then you guys work towards that for the new record to to include a hook in each track. And a hook is not necessarily a chorus. It's a memorable experience, a memorable part of a song. So to take me to the construction of hooks, what is the best way to write a hook? And uh, anyone that's trying to write songs that's listening right now, give them uh, like a little uh, well, a training as to how to write a hook. I... Uh, before I get to that, I wanted to, you were, you were talking about how there's a lot going on in the song. Someone the other day, oh, yeah. someone the other day tweeted, uh, just listen to the callous Dow voice for the first time. I can't tell if this is awful or brilliant. Um, and <laughs> I, I have a feeling that that's the experience a lot of people go through and on repeat listens. They're like, Oh, I actually do like this. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to appreciate you going back and listening to it multiple times. Um, hooks are crazy. Um, uh, knowing what is going to become a hook 
and knowing what people are going to grab onto is something you absolutely have to pay attention to. Um, particularly with Die on Mars, where like we would play some songs and like there would be people who would know every lyric of one song because it had like a really big hook in it. And then we'd play another song and it's like, well, I mean, these people clearly listen to the album and two people would know it. You know what I mean? It would just be like, OK, well, what about that song has no hooks? And it's like going back and just being like, OK, well, you can't understand where I'm, what I'm saying at this point. Um, it's too complex and too fast and too mathy to sing along at this point. Uh, this point lasts too long. And it's also not catchy. It's like, okay, all right. So maybe we don't write another song like that again. My tip to anyone who's trying to write a hook, record everything. Um, If you're in the shower and two words and five notes that come after it come to your mind, pick up your voice notes and record that shit because you will tell yourself, oh, I'll remember that later. You won't. No, you never do. You never do. You never never will. (laughs) It's gone forever. If you don't put it right there, right then. Um which is a scary thought, but, uh, you know, like the other day I was just scrolling through like samples, um, that I have that I've, you know, cleared and stuff like that. And I just like started singing a melody over it. And I was like, I was like, that's a cool melody. I'm going to go take a shower. And <laughs> Amber, Amber, our violinist was like, no, you're not <laughs> record that right now. And I was like, you're right. Amazing. Sorry. <laughs> so there is a lot way catchier. The cleans for sure. Oh, on. The new record. Thank you so much. Yeah. Diane Mars, like way catcher. Thank you. Having, I listened to both both records back to back today. Um, unbelievable. That ending, the last track there, the. the Star Baby? Dude, that, that ending there, the first, I laughed when I heard it for the first time. <laughs> it was so good. Well, I think yeah. I think a lot of people do. And uh, I mean, that was that was one in particular where like I showed my parents and and, you know, my mom was kind of like, well, why can't the whole song be that? And I was like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I have to be a psycho and write all this screamy stuff. No, um, no, no, no. But my dad, I remember my dad was just like, he he was actually in the studio with us when we tracked it. He came and hung out. Amazing. Uh, my dad sings on one of the songs, which is cool. Um, so cool. Yeah, yeah. He did a little vocal feature in there. Um, and uh, anyway, uh he was in the studio when we tracked that. He's like, that's going to be your most popular song. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, it's the last song in the record. Like, it's too long to be a single. Like, I was like, ah, I don't know. Sure enough, he was a thousand percent right. It's the one song at every show that every single person knows. <laughs> like, so damn catchy. That title track, another one, too. It reminds me of, and you, you brought it up a few times, the Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, yeah. Um, connection between the two. It's like, it's like you guys came into the scene at the perfect time once Dillinger was leaving. Uh, oh, yeah. You're, you're your own entity, for sure. I'm not saying thank that. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a nice, comforting sort of somewhat homage that's evolving into something else. But it reminds me of a, um, Unretrified. There's a vibe. Thank you. Sort of little vibe in title track. I don't know why. I love that song. So, you know, what's funny is I used to like, I used to be like, man, that is like, Cause you know, Dillinger, like they do it twice a record where there's like one song exactly. where there's like, yeah, it's all straightforward and there's like a big chorus and stuff like that. And they were so great about balancing that out with the chaos and everything. And I was like, man, I think out of all those songs, like unretrified is, is my least favorite, you know? And I was thinking that, and then Dan, our guitar player played it on this last tour we were on. And I was like, 
holy shit, this song is good. <laughs> I was yeah, like, it's really good, I was like this might be my favorite Dillinger song. This is insane. Um, it's one of my tops. It's for sure. so yeah. good, man. And, you know, I, I if we can be in the same conversation as them and, you know, not being called like a clone or anything like that. You know, I, I love that. I'm more than happy with the comparison. I think that, um, when bands get compared to something else, they tend to shake it off. Uh, kind of like when new metal bands were like, we're not new metal. Um, (laughs) I want to embrace it fully. Um, I love that band. They, you know, we would not be, we would not sound the way that we do without them or the chariot or fallout boy, frankly. And, uh, it's just, you know, I want to embrace that. It's, it's very nice to be in the same conversation as those bands. I, I, I fully embrace the comparison. Uh, your lyrics, uh, I find super interesting. Um, very eloquent, uh, well put together, wacky, uh, but definitely have something behind it. Something's being said. It's more than just... It seems calculated and very well put together is basically where I'm going. Oh, thank you. So it talks to me about having lyrics with a meaning. Um, is that something that's important for you? Obviously, you are a proficient writer. You've been writing since grade six. So so, so, so talk, talk to me about lyrics and where it comes from. You wrote this almost before the pandemic, or you must have written it during the summer yeah. of the pandemic when it was very diversive. You mentioned that in your own family, there was, there was fights about vaccination and other shit like that yeah. that I don't want to talk about but uh, talk to me about <laughs> talk to me about the lyrics on this record please yeah sure um so i mean i i think that whenever i read them back or whenever someone uh, it's been happening more and more and um you know maybe you can give me some advice on this but uh a lot of people have been like asking me to like tell them the meaning of stuff and uh i've i have a lot of trouble with that because uh i mean once i record something it really does help me process whatever i was feeling and it's a great way of letting go of you know resentment and um just like anything that's troubling me really and you know the stuff that was on my mind was you know my relationship with uh, my brother and my relationship with, uh, some other people in my family. And, uh, after I did it, I was just like, man, I love my brother so much. (laughs) Like, you know, like he frustrates me and, you know, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but like, you know, I love him to death, man. Like he's, he's my brother and he's always going to be my brother. So, you know, I, I, it just was kind of like, all right, I got that out. And, you know, Maybe it was something that I should have gotten out earlier. or Maybe that's, you know, something for a therapist. But, you know, it just it was a weight that was lifted off of me. And that's very true of of most of the lyrics on that record. Um, and it just it just it's kind of a timestamp in my life life. It's like when I hear those songs and even when I'm saying those words, I'm like, wow, I really felt that like really hard and I don't wow. feel it anymore. You know what I mean? So. Um, it's how, how do you go? Sorry, how do you go back into that emotional state to, to deliver the lines? Um, with as with, uh, authentically, yeah. if it's so put behind you when you're on stage now. Well, I mean, like Tom York 
said something about that in a in a Zane Lowe interview where, you know, they he played a Radiohead. He played like five Radiohead shows in a row where they basically played every song that they had ever released. And the way he described it was like, you know, oh, we're going into this song back into this emotional experience and just kind of putting himself back there. And I think that is the way that I would describe it of not putting myself back there in a in a bad way just remembering like i felt this at one point and i am going to sell it 1000 percent because all of these people are watching me (laughs) um and you know for some people like when they mic grab on a certain lyric like Mm -hmm. and you know maybe i'll see them tweet about it later or maybe they'll you know tell me about it later like hey you letting me have that lyric in particular was like a big deal for me um you know i i love that that is something that happens and you know i if if anybody wants to do that with the microphone my microphone is your microphone i that's that's great um so i mean like i'm doing it for myself as well as you know just you know, anybody who connects with it. Um, that's, what's important about you keeping the meaning private is that people can interpret it in their own way and then get their cathartic release through it, especially in situations when they're grabbing the mic or just dancing in their room. Yeah, exactly. To, to the lyrics of their own. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, I mean, when I want to put meaning behind everything, I just, I just always make sure that is something that I'm, that I mean, I'm saying something that is absolutely coming from the heart and not, um, you know, something that I am playing up to, you know, cater to a specific audience or anything like that. And, you know, being a musician, you feel things very deeply. So I don't think I'm in short supply of feeling. (laughs) Very good. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I want to talk about the the cover art um, specifically because uh, it's Sean Mundy and he's from Montreal. So He's so dope, man. Montreal. You're from Montreal? So it's cool. He's from Montreal. Um, I discovered him because a band that I enjoy called Bather um, used Sean, uh, one of Sean's shots as well. T- talk to me about this whole, how this all came together. Were you a fan of him already? How did you discover this artist? Did he shoot that just for you? Or take it, you got this. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, we had Sean in mind for the artwork way before the songs were finished. Um, Oh yeah. I remember the day that Maddie sent me his stuff. Uh, I believe it was Maddie who discovered him. And I was just like, Holy fuck. This guy is 
crazy. Um, I so for people that don't know, he takes pictures and then he like digitally alters them afterwards. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of my favorite style of art at the moment. Um, it's also art that I think is going to age really well. Um, I uh, I have a particular thing about album artwork where um, I really do judge books by their cover. Um, and I honestly think you should. I think that if someone is caring so much about their artwork and their art direction that they also cared about the music and, uh, you know, want to deliver you something that is excellent, you know, it's true. It's, it's what a lot of bands did yeah. in the late seventies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And when I think about that era in particular, like Rush and King Crimson have such nice. iconic album art, um, and you know, Primus, Tool, like all those bands just like so focused on their art direction. That is one of the things that I really, really nerd out over. Um, and I can't make visual art. <laughs> um, I, I, I see it in my head and I can, you know, tell people like what I want, but uh, it doesn't really come across as like, like I can't draw a sketch of something and then someone puts it together. Um, that's, that's just not something, that's not how my hands work i guess like I've, I've never been good at visual art but um i love sean sean is uh just uh such an amazing artist and um when we were looking at his stuff there were a couple pieces of his that he had up there that you know hadn't been claimed or anything like that and there were a couple that worked but um you know we emailed him he was so fast to respond and we were kind of like hey man like would you be interested in making something for us and he was like absolutely um and you know once he said yes we were like yeah there's no other there's no other artists we want to you know consider in this part or anything like that and i told him the themes of the record and um he sent back some sketches which it, they were pretty funny sketches and i want to use them for something like i want to put them on like an alternate artwork or something like that because they're just like stick figures doing like the album yeah. cover it's awesome <laughs> when he sent back the artwork i was just like yeah that's it um and uh i've always said that like making your artwork um able to be like described without saying the album title uh like like yeah. oh i like that callous yeah. Dowboys record which one uh the one with the guys in the hoods and they're in a circle like, that's what I want. You know what I You know, like, so um, and I also this is very silly, but uh, I always want our artwork to be tattooable. Um, Interesting. Okay. Because I think that that's like that's pretty important to people who get attached to music, you know, and uh, I think that having a iconic image on your album artwork that you can put on your body is pretty important. Um, and the first one I saw was actually on this most recent tour, the first celebrity therapist tattoo I saw, and it looked just fucking great. And I was like, so God, cool. that's so awesome. Um, I, I check you did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's, you know, who I did it for, because I think that's really important. I mean, the more that someone can attach their identity to your band, the more they're going to love you and the more they are going to just call you one of their favorite bands so um the artwork is always so important to me and with the art direction that we're heading for this next one i'm i'm really really excited about it i'm really really excited i can't i can't believe you guys are already 
tackling something <laughs> new. I think it's uh, it takes cryptopsy forever. So so I'm impressed. <laughs> Keep it up. Um, I'm excited. I, I just want to hear the track, so I'm excited. Oh, I'll send uh, it something to you when very it's done, buddy. For me. Oh, my, thank you so much. Uh, that uh, I've been talking a lot about throughout the past year on the podcast uh, ties into the lyrics once again. Is uh, mental health. Uh, what what do you do when you're not feeling well to drag yourself? Out of the darkness, if one of your band members isn't feeling well, what is your tactic there? Uh, obviously, you write lyrics to cathartically release uh, negative energy inside yourself. What what else would you be doing to conquer mental health? Um, I, I, these days, I work out a lot, um, go for a lot of runs, um, uh, lift weights, uh, you know, uh, just get the the juices flown and everything um i also want to be huge and scary so uh you know really? eventually okay. yeah i'm very i'm very scrawny still but you know i'm getting there um it's back to the dillinger thing again yeah yeah for sure for <laughs> sure i mean he's he's my idol so you know what else am i gonna do but get ripped i do that um go for a lot of walks and um also just like i i think that writing just for the sake of writing is like so important. Um, the other night I, I really just could not sleep at all. And I just wrote probably like three or four pages of, of lyrics. And I was just like, Oh, I'm tired now. I can go to bed now. <laughs> and then like, you've, you've clenched exactly, you've clenched exactly. You know? Um, so, I mean, I, I try and meditate as much as I can on tour. Um, try and do 30 minutes. Well, tour, tour is tough. It's, it's, it's cause it's so noisy all the time. And it's it's people so noisy, no man. Space. Especially like, and cause we're not quite at the point where we play, where every show has a green room. Um, so, uh, that gets really tough because it's like, you know, I, when we do have like a really nice green room, I'll usually go play guitar. Like I'll usually go play guitar and just clear my head or, um, you know, uh, varials on this last tour that we were doing with them. They had a PS five. I was just like, I would love to just sit here and watch you play video games, dude. Um, so I, you know, I, I try and do as much as I can. I try and not do anything that is going to, um, that is going to make my mental health worse. I try and do exactly what's best for me. <laughs> That's good that you know yourself. That means that you've, you've gone through some shit. I'd and, like to think you, so. <laughs> you, you, know what your, you know what your triggers are. Yeah, for sure. Them. For sure. Yeah. How about when your bandmates, if you see them going into a dark place, what is your tactic for yourself or for the band as a general to help them crawl back out? Yell at them at top volume. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, tough because you know they're every everyone in the band is we're we're like a boy band like there is the quiet one there is the you know pretty boy there all that stuff so like um there's different approaches to everybody and you know if one of us is in a bad mood it usually is like all right we should probably see how this person's doing and see if they're okay and probably just be like hey you want to talk no all good but if it's yes, you know, I'm going to sit and talk with you. I'm very conscious of everybody on tour and everything like that. And I just I, I kind of am good at reading everybody in my band since I've known most of them for, you know, half my life at this point. So uh, I try and just do my best and, and, you know, either help or stay out of the way. So. It's, it's, uh, that's being there, you know, sometimes I know other people have said sometimes just like sitting next to someone physically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then not even saying a word. Yeah. 
Which I'm bad is, at doing. I talk being, a lot, so is <laughs> <laughs> is being there for them. So 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 that that's you got to read the room though. <laughs> I have one last question. My classic wrap-up question doesn't doesn't fit anymore. I typically ask people what their hangover cures are, but I'm not <laughs> going to ask that. I will ask you something different, okay. which is uh, I have a new segment where I ask my guests about a small-term goal, something that they're trying to achieve right now, something that I call fight the hops. So, so what are you doing right now to fight the hops? Sure, sure. Um, hmm. You know, there's got to be something. I'm trying to think. We're getting in shape. That's definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah. Keeping with that is uh, is tough because some days I just straight up don't want to do it. Um, I want to uh, I want to write a song for a band that is not a project that is oh. not mine. That's cool. I want to do that within the next month for sure. Oh, very cool. I talked to Dan Jacobs. He does, he does that for some bands. Ah, I would. Atreyu. Oh, yeah. okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I I hope to be in that space because it seems uh, lucrative and uh, easy. So. <laughs> cool. When you can just say, here, take here, it. Here, take, take this. Take this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play this. Money. It's not mine. You take it. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Any genre or just a, just. Um, I used to, uh, just make rap beats all the time. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, that was what I did before Dowboys and before Maddie and I's first band started was I had a, I had a solo project that made like electronic music and rap music and stuff. Oh, really? So, um, I miss it a lot. I worked at a rap studio for like six years ish and uh i really do miss it uh i i miss like making that type of music just because i i love like hearing a beat and just being like that is hard oh right i made that um, <laughs> so uh I, I miss that quite a bit i miss that quite a bit if if it could be any genre i, I wish i was just making rap beats all day very cool i think that's cool i've been definitely gonna happen put it out into the universe absolutely. it's gonna happen now carson absolutely yeah Carson, thank you so, so much for taking the time you, to hang Matt. out with me, talk about life, talk about music, talking about being newly sober, talking about a brand new record coming up uh, within the next, hopefully not two years, but sooner than two years. Sooner than two years, I think. Yeah. I think it's so damn cool. Um, if you've ever come through Montreal, I'll come hang out. If I come through Atlanta, come hang out. This was great. Really, really stoked. Thank that you we so much. Yes. My magic inbox made this happen. Cheers. Oh, absolutely, man. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome conversation. This is actually one of the last conversations I did before I took my break in April, and it just left me on such a high. It just reminded me how much I love doing these podcast episodes, having these conversations with complete strangers that I happen to be big fans of. I, I just love it. Carson, you're amazing. I had such a great time hanging out with you. I am so stoked about the Callous Dow Boys. I can't wait for that new material that they are working on right now. I am very, very excited to watch the meteoric rise of the Callous Dow Boys. Get ready, everyone. If you have not checked this out, you should definitely go check them out. They are simply awesome. Massive, massive thanks to Carson for taking some time to hang out with me. 
Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Funnel Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that will contain all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Funnel Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And you will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently and you will also get to see which albums jerry monk vox and hops's metal architect has added to the brutal awakenings playlist if ever you're looking for new music to listen to trust me jerry monk has you covered on the vox and hops brutal awakenings playlist there is always a lot of things going on in the world of the vox and hops little podcast and i hate when you miss a single thing so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops little podcast is brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a killer rest of the week I will be back on Friday with an amazing episode all about Armstrong Metal Fest. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hop Sets. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.